glad you're here. Uh, a quick word to the, to the students. Um, thank you for helping lead this morning. Uh, we believe, we say this because we believe it, uh, that our young people are not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And I tell people all the time, um, I, I grew up in an atmosphere where I looked up the, the, the teenagers. I remember, I remember being a kid, and I remember looking up at, at the local teenagers. Uh, some of that was good, um, and some of it wasn't so good. Uh, I was the, I'm the oldest brother of three, and so I didn't really have anybody else to look up to except for like the, the teens that went to our, our high school or in our church and so forth. And I, I just tell you that because you have, you have a lot of influence um, over the younger people in this church, and we're excited that you get to be a part of what we're doing here at Catalyst, no matter what your age is, whether you're young or old, you're, you're a part of what God is doing, and, and we believe that. Um, and uh, I know my kids are over here, and they're looking at all you. Um, and uh, God, is, God is at work in your life at this age, and so I hope um, that you just recognize that. Uh, this morning, um, if you're uh, with us and you've been with us, I just want to let you know we're pushing pause on our uh, teaching through Philippians, and we're actually jumping into an Alpha teaching. Uh, we have been doing Alpha. Alpha is a program where basically we're teaching the basics of Christianity, but what it was has been for, and we've been doing this on Sunday nights, and we're wrapping it up basically this Sunday night. We needed to kind of fix, fit an extra one in there, but it's, it's really for people that are seeking to kind of understand what Christianity is, and so we didn't want to leave this teaching out. There's a number of other teachings that we, want to, we didn't want to leave out, but this is a great teaching for us, even as a church, to kind of understand and uh, lean into, and we're answering the question, um, what does the Holy Spirit do? What does the Holy Spirit do? Uh, and I want to begin with a story of a man who comes to Jesus at night. And he's coming to Jesus at night because, to be honest, he's not real sure if he wants to be seen with Jesus yet, uh, which is a, a kind of a great story to think about when you even think about Alpha. It's, it's a program that, that we want to actually start offering potentially maybe once a year for people who really, they're, they're really not sure about Jesus. Do we want to be seen with Jesus? Do we want to be around Jesus? Uh, do we even want to be around Jesus' people? And uh, this person is, is kind of like that person, and his name is Nicodemus. And so we're going to look, we're going to begin in John 3, John chapter 3, and we read through verses 1 through 8 here, and then we're just going to kind of continue and, and look at what the Holy Spirit does. It says, now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of a, who was, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi. We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform signs that you are doing if God were not with him. Now, what Nicodemus essentially set, comes to Jesus and says, it says, Jesus, we see that God must be with you, working through you and in you because you have signs that you perform. And what Jesus is about to do here, he's about to kind of turn it around on Nicodemus. And he is about to basically say, Nicodemus, I want God to be with you. I, I want there to be signs in your life to show that God is and can be with you. And so Jesus continues here. Because Nicodemus doesn't even ask a question. Or, and, and Jesus kind of stops him here. And it says, Jesus replied. It hears like Jesus is answering a question, but he's not. He just, Nicodemus, stop. Listen. He says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can somebody be born when they are old, Nicodemus asks. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. 
Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. So Jesus here essentially says, Hey, there'll be two signs that the Spirit will be in you and among you. And the first is this idea that you must be born again, that you must be born of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is an act of love that is connected to birth. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a birthing room, but it's an awful experience. Um, (laughs) I don't know whose idea it was to bring the men in, but the the point is, is there, there involves some real sacrifice in, in that moment. When you decide that you're going to have a child, honestly, like the, the, the female puts herself at, at great risk and there's great sacrifice. And Nicodemus and the people of the ancient world, they would have understood this. They would have under, actually then they, they didn't like like it was it was raw back then. I mean, it happened in your house. This kind of how it took place. And, and it's, it's really to a certain extent, it's a foreshadowing of the cross. Here's what Jesus is talking about. Out of this great act of love, God is going to birth people, and God is going to call people to themselves. And so Jesus is saying, like, you're being birthed in by the Spirit into God's people is this great act of love, and it, 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 it kind of just takes place in your life. Like, you have to be reborn, and, and the Spirit is at work in it. I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but like, birth is something that happens to you. Who in here decided to be born? Not, not any one of us just woke up one day and decided, you know what? I want, I want to live. And I'm going to enter a womb. And my mother is going to give birth to me. This is the analogy that Jesus uses. A God breaking into your life is not something that you have decided. In fact, the thing that you decide typically is like not to be born of God, not to do what God wants you to do, not to respond to God. And Jesus makes this point actually really clear. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh. And so in other words, like our decisions on our own, actually gives birth to more of ourselves. And, and so Jesus here, he's saying, when, when the Spirit enters your, enters your life, now you start to make decisions based on what the Spirit is doing in you, and it's actually God's work in you. And so I, I don't know, maybe some of you have been opposed to spiritual things. Maybe some of you have been uh, opposed to God. But all of a sudden... Now you're, you're open to God. You're, you're open to maybe the work that God might be doing in your life or in the lives of other people. And what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, that might be God beginning to break into your life. And, and for some of you, those of you who maybe you haven't put it into words, like you've you know that God has broken into your life. You know that God has called you to himself. It's rebirth. God is changing you. 
which is part of the second sign here that we see. It's the idea of wind. It's actually the same word for spirit. Almost every translator translates this word to wind here because, because of the context. Jesus seems to be talking about the spirit as wind, and it kind of represents new life because, you know, one of the things that you can't see is you can't see the wind, but you can see its effect when all the leaves start to blow off the tree into my yard and I have to rake them up. The point is, is that you can see the wind impact. You, you can see it in your own life. You can see it in the lives of others. And, and Jesus is t- telling Nicodemus, who's coming to him at, at night here, not sure if he believes in this Jesus and sure if he wants to follow Jesus. And Jesus is saying that those who are going to come after me, who are going to be a part of God's kingdom, they need this rebirth. They need the spirit. They need to understand what he does, and they need to see the effects. And so we're going to look at what the Holy Spirit does this morning. And the first thing that the Holy Spirit does that I want you to know about is that he testifies that you are a son or daughter of God. Romans 8.14 says this, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but it really, being adopted is the, one of the highest privileges. It is the highest privilege, by the way, to be adopted by God. I, I mean, there's, there's no greater status that you can have in the universe to be a child of God, to be a son or daughter of God. And the reason that Paul uses uh, adoption here is because in the Roman world, adoption was actually seen as a very high status. In fact, if you were adopted into the family, I mean, immediately you become a child. Legally, you become the child. And all that the Roman family has belongs to you. Like you, you, the inheritance is there for you. And I don't know if this rule or law is still in the books or not. It used to be this way in Georgia, uh, I read a, a, a while back, is that like if you were adopted into the family in, in the state of Georgia, like your parents couldn't even write you out of their will. Like you could, you can, you could write blood-born people, blood-born children out of the will, but if you adopted somebody, you can't write them out of the will. Like they, they, the inheritance is, is there, and it belongs to them, whether you want it to or not. <laughs> now the point is, is here that, is that God testifies that you are a child of God, and you are a child of God, and that you should celebrate this, and that God wants this in your life. This morning, there's a, there's a family here. I won't point them out, but they adopted their son, and their son's uh, birthday is tomorrow, and uh, this is crazy. Like, God just did this, and she, they were telling me, they said, you know, 38 years ago, uh, about a month from before now, that God dropped this child in our lap. And we will never not celebrate. We will never not stop giving thanks for the son that God gave us. And it was a miracle. And you can hear their love. I've heard parents get so annoyed at the question, well, do they know they're real parents? I said, well, yes. They're mine. They have my last name. They eat at my dinner table. They follow my rules. They're getting... My inherit, like they're mine, they belong to me. And what the Spirit does when we are reborn, when we come to Christ, we know. It, like the Spirit testifies to this that God is our real parent, that He is there for us. 
But Paul continues in verse 15, and here's what he says. He says, the spirit, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Now, Abba is an Aramaic word uh, that Jesus actually used, and, and Paul uses here, which is really interesting. It's not, it's, it's kind of a hard word uh, to translate, but what it, what it does is it shows a place of intimacy. It's kind of like calling God daddy or dad. And, you know, one of the things that we even talk about with our, our worship is that one of our core values is intimacy. And I don't know about you, but that's kind of, that was here before I got here. Uh, that's not a word I use. Uh, I just didn't grow up using intimacy as a word uh, or something that I thought in relationship. Uh, but, but what it means is that something is going on, in on side of you that is connecting with another person. That this is describing the closest of relationships. And what we're told here is that you can have that kind of relationship with God through the Spirit. Growing up, my dad liked to hike and he liked to walk and he still likes to work out. Like he's one of those guys who just can't sit still. Um, he's got like ADHD and all that stuff. Um, and so that's just his personality. And so, you know, he'd go to work, he'd come home, have to do something or whatever, and then he would go for a walk or take the dogs for a walk. And I tell people all the time, um, I'm very grateful for my parents. I have a really good relationship with both of them. They were awesome parents. And one of the things I noticed, especially while I got into middle school and high school, is after my dad came home from work, uh, he'd always wait to take the dogs for a walk. He'd go on a hike. We lived fairly close to what was called a, like a metro park. Um, and he'd always wait to go hiking and take the dogs to walk until after I got home because he always asked if I wanted to go. And a lot of the times I would say yes. I mean, he'd have to wait for me to get home from practice or whatever. Um, and a lot of the times I, I would say yes, and we'd go, and we'd go on these walks together. And you can imagine uh, a middle-aged man uh, and a high school or a middle school guy, uh, sometimes there wasn't a whole lot going on in that walk outside just to hike. But to be honest, <laughs> a lot of the times during those, that time together and during those hikes, we had, we had a lot of conversation. I mean, we would start talking about whatever and any subject. And through those walks, I got to know my dad. And my dad got to know me. Um, it's almost kind of annoying now because <laughs> when a particular subject or whatever comes up, I can tell you the story he's going to tell. Like, <laughs> I can tell you what he's, what he's going to say. You know, I, I know it. He probably could say the same thing about me. You know, I, I know my dad, and my dad knows me, and, and what the scriptures are telling us here, and even this is, what, this is what Jesus called God the Father, and this happens in the New Testament first, because he calls him Abba, and he calls him Father. And what we are to do is we are to call through the Spirit we can do that with that with with God, and just like my dad waiting each and every day after I got home for practice or after I got home from school, asking me if I wanted to go for a walk. God is right there, and He's always right here with you, and He's always walking with you, and He's always inviting you into that. In doing so. The Spirit is helping us, the second thing I want to tell you, develop our relationship with Him. This, this is how the Spirit is at work. He's helping us to get closer to our Father. 
And we do this through prayer. We do it through communication. And for some of you, it actually may be easier instead of getting down on your knees uh, in your house or in a closet or whatever, it might be going on a walk, taking your earbuds out or whatever, and, and conversing with your father. We're told in Ephesians 2.12 this, now all of us can come to the Father through the same Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. The Holy Spirit gives us access to God. We, you don't have to come to me. You, you don't have to be in front of this worship team. You don't have to be in this place to have access to the Father. You can talk to him through the Spirit. And I know for some of you, like, that seems so weird. What do you think? I can talk to God. I can pray. Yeah, you can. And some of you need to practice. Like praying, we're, we're probably going to do a series through prayer at the beginning of the year. And we're hopefully we're going to be like actually praying. Because praying is not something that just can be taught. Like it's something that you have to do and you got to try. And what the Spirit does is he helps us in that. Except my dad and ours walk. There's a lot of silence and that's okay. Like at some point, if you're, if, if, if you're focusing on what God might want to do in your life, what the Spirit is doing in your life, I guarantee you you're going to start having some conversations with God. And here's what we're told, because this, the Spirit is at work in you. You have access to the Father, and the Father is there. And the second thing that the Spirit does is he reveals the Word to us. The Spirit actually helps us to understand the Bible. I will be the first to tell you that sometimes the Bible is difficult to understand. Sometimes uh, we don't really understand even all the gospel, like what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing, where the Spirit is at work, in, or any of that. But what the Spirit does is it, it can make the Scriptures come alive. It can make God come alive. Here's a passage. Peter, is, he's teaching and he's preaching. And I know that he's teaching and preaching. First and foremost, he's preaching and teaching Jesus. But we know from Peter's writings, we know from the sermons that we see in the books of Acts, that, the G, that Peter is referring back to the scriptures and he's showing Jesus, how Jesus is the fulfillment and how Jesus is at work here. So he's got a crowd and it says, while Peter was still saying these things in Acts 10, that the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And, and so what the Spirit is doing as Peter is preaching, as he is opening up the word, the, the Spirit of God is falling on people and it's opening up their hearts and their minds and the Spirit is helping them to understand. And so this is, this, is, this is why we come together and open the scriptures. It's, it's why I preach and teach. It's why I encourage you to even read your Bibles. Sometimes, sometimes you're going to go, yes, like I get it. Yes, I've ex- had an experience with God. Other times, like I don't know what God is doing here. But what you're doing is you're preparing yourself in the spirit and you're developing a relationship with God so that the spirit can fall on you. Third, is that the Spirit helps us to look like God. In other words, it helps kind of get, bring us about and give us kind of this, this family likeness that we could have. I, I don't know about you. Obviously, like, most families look alike um, or begin to look alike. Even married couples um, sometimes look alike. And I don't know how that happens. Uh, some people even begin to look like their pets. Uh, <laughs> Brett, do you find that to be true? Yeah, he's back there. Yeah, yeah. He won't tell which one. We tell us which ones. Uh, we got a few veterinarians in the room. Um, <laughs> Second Corinthians three eighteen says this: We, who with unveiled faces, all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into His likeness. You are being transformed to the likeness of Jesus, with ever increasing glory 
which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Spirit's job is to change us to be more like Jesus. And I, I think maybe above all else, I think this is what the church needs right now. I think the church and people need to see people responding to and becoming like Jesus. I think people outside of the walls of the church need to see people being transformed into Jesus' likeness, being prompted by the Spirit to follow him and saying, yes, I'm going to do that. Yes, I'm going to become like that. Yes, I'm going to accomplish that because of the Spirit's work in me. Um, One of the cool opportunities we have this morning is to kind of hear a testimony um, from Gavin McKinney here. Gavin McKinney uh, came to us last year uh, from AU and and, uh, recently graduated um, and uh, has been here worshiping with us for a time. And I've asked him to share his testimony with us this morning. Good morning. Um, A few months ago, um, I was here in the front row, sitting next to Austin, and one of the verses that was read is Matthew 18, 21 through 22. It states, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Jesus replied, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. As I heard that, I heard this voice in my head, of something I never thought I'd hear. Um, growing up, I have no relationship with my biological father. He left my mom um, when she was pregnant with me. I never realized how much hatred this caused me to have in my heart. But hearing this verse, it showed me that I didn't forgive him once, no matter how many times I told him, I told myself I did. Um, after fighting with God for a couple months, uh, finally, and send, or typing and retyping a text message, I sent a text to my biological father. And just like a month, about a month ago, I met him for the first time face to face. And the coolest thing about it is when we met, he asked me, what made you reach out? And I read him this verse, and the coolest thing, he responded, I'm an atheist, and I've never opened the Bible, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that story. Um, if that's the only thing that comes from that, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but as we started talking, we learned we have a lot in common. He likes Notre Dame football. I like Notre Dame football. <laughs> he likes working out. I like working out. Um, what else do two guys need to be friends? So, um, but leaving, it was the biggest, when I left, it was the biggest weight lifted off my shoulder. Um, forgiving him was truly in my 23 years on earth the greatest thing I've done. And God is good. And I truly know now that I am a son of God. I mean, people need to be seeing those sorts of things happen. That's somebody who's responding to the Spirit. God said to do what? Forgive my father? Hasn't been in my life? Yeah. That's fruit. That's fruit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, not hate. It is joy, it's not fear. It is peace. It is patience. It is kindness. It is goodness. 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the Spirit is leading us in all of this at the same time. He's not just handing out one or the other. It's, it's singular fruit. Like, that's what the fruit looks like there. And that's what we're seeking after as we respond to the Spirit. The fourth thing that the Spirit does is it helps us keep the unity in the family of God. Ephesians 4, 3 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. The Spirit helps us keep unity in relationships. The Spirit helps us work out our marriages. Uh, The Spirit helps us to work out relationships in our families. The Spirit helps us among our friends. The Spirit helps us in our small groups. And what we're told is to make every effort to keep the unity. And that's not just kind of in those small groups. It's in this church, and it's even among the churches in this community. To the best of our ability, we're going to keep the unity with the churches in this community. We're going to cheer them on. Like I said, even PCC, like I'll, you know, like, good for them. They have to do good things every once in a while. Hate to say it, but they do. No. You know, my wife asked, can I help at Adventure Camp? And I said, no. <laughs> she went anyway because of this verse. Right? And that's, that's Christians all around the world. We want to make sure that we're majoring on the majors. Right? We're, we're not, we're not, we're not going to divide unnecessarily. Right? We're going to keep Christ supreme. We're going to keep Christ supreme, and we're going to try to maintain the unity, and the Spirit does that. Fifth, the Spirit gives gifts to all who are in the family of God. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says this, now, teach, now to each one of us is the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge, by means of the same Spirit, to another of faith to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues or languages, to still another the interpretation of tongues. And these are all the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them each to one, just as he determines. What we see here is that the Holy Spirit is kind of like Oprah. Giving out gifts to everybody. (laughs) You get a gift. You get a gift. Right? Now, this list is not exhaustive, but here's the point, is that you're supposed to use them. You have gifts. It's not supposed to be the, like the Colts game today. Is they home or away? I don't even know. But you, Colts, home. Okay, great. Well, that stadium seats about 63,000 people. There are going to be about 63,000 people in that stadium, out of shape, who are screaming for 22 players who are in shape playing the game, like, and cheering them on. Like, that's cool, I guess, right? And it's a great thing. I love football. Uh, but the, the church is supposed to be the 63,000 coming together to, to do the work of the church, to do the work of God, to do the work and to be about what the Spirit is doing in their lives, to use their gifts to serve the community of God. But not only that, you see here, it, it says the common good. And so what we want is we want everybody involved doing what the Spirit has equipped and called them to do 
And here's the thing, like these aren't just normal gifts. I believe these are, God has given you gifts in a spiritual manner, in a spiritual way to do spiritual good, and he's empowered you in a special way to have special influence. And this is actually one of the reasons we do discover classes. We kind of discover these things or, or look at these things and, and we talk about this. But we want to un- help, hopefully like you unleash your gifts, uh, tell people that, that there's the 80-20 rule, right? That 20% of the people do 80% of the work for the 80% of the people. And, and we want to flip this on our head. We, we want to, like this Pareto principle, and it just kind of happens. Well, our goal is actually to have 80% of the people doing the work, right? And then 20% kind of figuring out, like, do we want to even be a part of this? Do, do we want to do this? That's our, that's our goal. And so for some of you, you, you may need to be deciding, like, what has God empowered me to do for the common good, for the community? Uh, and, and, like, look around. Like, how can I use the gifts that God has given me to serve people? Uh, we invite you to, obviously, to, to serve within the, the walls of the church. We invite you to serve with our, our community members. We have the kids in here at this time. We always need people helping with the, the kids, the youth, and worship, helping keep this building up and moving it forward and giving. There's the gift. The Bible talks about the gift of giving. And, and by the way, he's trying to, like, liberally give these gifts. So he wants, he wants everybody to have uh, the, 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 the gift of wisdom. He doesn't want any of you to be unwise. Like, no, no one, when you walk in, do I want to say, like, yep, they don't have the gift of wisdom. Uh, like, you don't want to be that person. But God is, have to, de- like, some people have more of the gift than others, and some of it has to be developed in you. But some of you have the gift of giving. Some of you have the gift of leadership. Right? Start a D group. Start a Catalyst community. Uh, start a parachurch organization. Whatever is doing to help other people. There's so much to do, and there's so much for you to do, and God has called you to that. And then six, this is the last point here. Um, I never have six points. Uh, this is an alpha teaching. Um, the Spirit grows the family of God. The Spirit grows the family of God. And the Spirit gives us power to do this, Acts 1.8. You will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is... This is, these are Jesus' essential, essentially like his final words until we get the revelation and he appears to John in a vision. That power, the power of the Spirit is connected to your witness. Right? To, the, to the sharing of your faith with other people. Like people, I've come across people all the time and say, I want to I experience God. I want to experience his power. Share your faith. Right? I, how do, you, how do you want to know if the Spirit's at work in your life? Share your faith with someone else. We're trying to develop a culture here where every person is trying to reach one person. Every person during their prayer time, every person kind of as, as they think about, okay, what is God calling me to do? How is he at work in my life? Like, who is, who is one person that you think is open to following Jesus, is open to hearing about Jesus? As you are doing that, I just wanted to let you know that the Spirit is working in your life. That's the Spirit prompting you to do that. And I believe that the Spirit is empowering you to do that. And some of you are new Christians. Can I just say something to you? Don't allow that to hold you back. What I have discovered is that actually the newer you are to the faith, sometimes the more effective you are in evangelism. Because some of you are saying, I don't know enough. 
Like, I, I, I know very little. The blind man that Jesus healed, he shows up in town, and people are, are like, hey, well, tell me all these things about Jesus. And he has, he's like, I have no idea. I know very little about Jesus. But I do know I was blind, and now I can see. Go find him. Okay? That, that's, a, that's a powerful testimony. A powerful testimony. The Spirit is wanting us to grow our family through sharing him. And so here's our call to action this morning. I'm going to ask that Mimi come back up here. We're going to take communion here in a second. Um, it's, it's real simple for some of us. It's, it's either kindle or rekindle the Spirit's work in your life. Uh, the, the Spirit of God at work in your life. Don't, don't snuff out the Spirit. Don't be afraid of the Spirit working in your life. Rekindle the Spirit if you haven't. The second thing I'm just going to invite you to do, right, we started with the idea of kind of rebirth, that God might be doing something in your life, that he might be breaking into your life. At first, you might have thought, like, yeah, I'm not really open to God. I'm not really open to the Spirit. But for whatever reason, you started to become more and more open. I'm going to ask that you do that. Like, open yourself up. Uh, allow God to work and speak in your life. Open yourself up to the Spirit. The last book of the Bible ends in this way. It says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who t wishes to take this free gift of the water of life. The Spirit of God might be inviting you to come and follow Jesus. You might be weary. You might be tired. You might believe that there's, like, you can do all of these things to receive God's love, to receive what we call salvation, to have your life changed. Like, you think, like, what, what do I, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? And here it is. Come. Come to Jesus. Is, is Jesus birthing something new in your life? Is he calling you to him? And we're told that the, the spirit and the bride says come. And this is a word for us, church. The, the bride is the church. And we should be inviting people to come. To come into the church and live in life of the spirit. This is what we invite people to do. And so we invite you this morning as a church to come. We invite each other this morning to come to Jesus as we take communion here in a moment. We are coming to a God who lived the life we should have lived. And then he went to cross, onto the cross and he died a death that we deserve. He sacrificed his life for ours by his flesh and his blood and Jesus is saying to all of us I invite you to come to the table and take the free gift of salvation through my death and through my resurrection and Jesus is saying this is free and I love you and so here's what we're going to do in Christ's spirit, in the spirit, in the, in the presence of Holy Spirit, we're going to come and we're going to grab communion. We're going to 
go back to our seats and just hold on to communion. You can continue to worship, and we'll, we'll take it together as a church. Um, if it's your first time with us this morning or if you haven't done communion with us, um, this, you'll come down this aisle to receive communion here. And these will kind of be the return aisles, these side aisles right here. And so you'll come here. You'll come here. Everybody will come here. And then you guys will go back to your seats this way. Go back to your seats that way. Let me pray for us as we come forward to take communion. Father, the thing about the Spirit is um, we don't really know how the Spirit is moving or what the Spirit is doing all the time. We don't get to control your Spirit. The wind blows where it wishes, is what you say. I don't think there's been anything said or done in this place um, that has been manipulative uh, that has been out of the ordinary or even extraordinary in like human terms. And so I ask, Father, that if your spirit has been working in people's lives right now, that you are calling them maybe to be reborn to become a child of God, that people would respond to that this morning. That they would know that through your call, your divine call, your spirit at work in their life to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, that they do this. That they believe on your Son for salvation that they know that they are children of God. For others, maybe after hearing Gavin's testimony or being prompted by the Spirit, that there's something in their life that they need to change so that they can look more like your son Jesus. There's a way that they can step out into faithfulness. Father, as we come to you, as we come to take communion this morning, as we respond in the Spirit, I pray that we would respond in faithfulness. And Father, for some of us, I pray maybe you just lay somebody on our heart. You lay somebody on our mind. And it, you prompt us to invite them to be a part of this family, the family of God, to share Jesus with them. Because we want all to come. We want all, all to be there on that last day, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we are before Christ giving thanks for what he has done for us and celebrating with our risen Lord and Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name.